All right. We're 60 no scope this stream, baby. Right. <laughs> Ladies and damn it. Ladies and gentlemen, variation zero, welcome to the Selectives Lorecast, a casual Elder Scrolls podcast. My name is Rotten Deadite, and with me today are I am Andrew, also known as the White Guar. And I am Felix, also known as Banuhana Masaishi. And uh, yay, okay, they just finished banging on my window outside, so uh, we can actually do this thing. Today we're continuing with the 36 Lessons of Vivek. We're starting with Sermon 4 today, which is uh, kind of a, it, it's it's a little bit critical in the uh, 36 Lessons in general because it establishes, or it helps, Vivek helps establish her uh, divinity, sort of, or the nature of her divinity, because like we've mentioned before several times on this cast that what you know, like when people ask, what is a god? I think that was actually the name of the cast that we did. Um, it's kind of hard to define in the Elder Scrolls universe because there are a lot of different entities, entities that have defined themselves as gods or that other people have defined as gods. It's really kind of hard to, to lump them all into one sort of like classification because they frankly are all over the place. Um, so, uh, just to recap, Sermon 3 was, uh, Vivek escaping from the Dwemer or being let go from the Dwemer in the simulacrum of the Nestorman's wife, which is now sort of stumbling around. And, uh, so the Sermon 4 begins with the, the simulacrum of the Nestorman's wife who carried the egg of Vivek within it, went back to looking for the lands of the Enderil because apparently Vivek and his, uh, her mother don't really understand how to read signs. <laughs> Maybe they didn't have them back then. I don't know. Uh, along the journey, many more spirits came to see it and offered instructions to the son, of the, 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 son and da son daughter, the future war glorious invisible warrior poet of Ardenville, Vivek. Can't have enough titles. It's it, again, it's it's a little bit of the journey to the west where Wukong gets about a million titles at the end of it. Um, a troop of spirits called the Lobbyist for the Coincidence Guild appeared. There's a place that I guarantee you has very low uh, rate, uh, uh, very low dues. The Coincidence Guild, probably like it. You know, it, it goes back and forth. Um, well, that, that, that sounds like a a reference to some kind of determinism. So I wonder what that mm -hmm. has to do with Jigalagra so still, because they are the ones who are. I mean, we think of determinism all about determinism, of, yeah. Of, yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. So uh, the coincidence, I mean, what what if that is Sothasil or Jigalag or or even Knights of Order there? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm, I mean, maybe I'm they could certainly be related is like, what I what I'm agreeing with here is that, yeah, they could be related to Jigalag or Sothasil yeah. for that matter. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be uh, my one kind of like to sort of, you know, pull it back a little bit is that with regards to Jigalag. Is it just me? Have we not really seen or heard of them yeah. since Oblivion? Yeah. So, the, like, there wasn't even really like an Easter egg or something in Skyrim. Is just kind of yeah, that's a thing. And like, then it's just you know disappeared back to you know the back to Oblivion with it. So and yet, Shiogorath is, is still around. Like it, it could be, but in terms of how things seem to be set up, I kind of doubt it. And so, lean more towards Sotha still and like the whole Dwemer sense of like technical viewing of the world and order and such. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, that's one of the things that I've been wondering is when, when you defeat Jigalog at the end of Oblivion, does that mean that Jigalog fucks off for a while? Or is it largely yeah, symbolic? It's hard to say. Does it mean that's, that Shigarath just gets to continue to exist, which is true, um, because he shows up again in Skyrim? It's, I don't know. Uh, it, 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 did, it is kind of like an, uh, an, you know, Elder Scrolls Unsolved Mysteries. Um, 
That's the name of a new series, folks. Don't get me started. Uh, Vivek (laughs) understood the challenge immediately and said, the popular notion of God kills happenstance. Here's what that means. Um, The popular notion of God is that uh, God's will, or or that we are all doing God's will. God has a plan. You've heard the terms before. Um, You can also apply it to Taoism, for example, that there's a great pattern that determines everything and uh of infinite complexity and uh unfathomable depth and where yeah. while we may not be able to comprehend the will of god we are subject to it nonetheless and this fits well with the idea uh in the elder scrolls that um uh that uh at the very least that god is uh, having a that the godhead is having a dream although it, i think most people will agree that this dream is kind of running away from them <laughs> um, <laughs> and that uh what do you uh, mean i'm not in control what i'm not yeah. lucid dreaming anymore uh it's you know it's one of those dreams where you think everything's going fine and the next thing you know you're i don't know whatever but naked in front of your high school class and you're like i didn't want this um so, uh, so instead what we have is, uh, uh, yeah, right. Wild, Wildren, I, I, I think Elder Scrolls Legends has a little bit about Jigalag in it, but I don't, I don't know it. Yeah. I haven't played it either. I think, I think, um, LJ knows something about it, but all right. Um, uh, LJ is the resident legends expert. Okay, good. Um, I, never, I, never I play as close to one as I know personally. So when when Vivek says the popular notion of God kills happenstance, what we're talking about here is the idea that if God is all powerful and has created everything and or a God, for that matter, is all powerful and all knowing, then um, the idea of uh, a coincidence can't really happen. You can't really have coincidences because everything is going to be in that God's plan within the scope of that God. I mean, again, one of the one of the other things about the 36 lessons is that sometimes Vivek will use the phrase God and be talking about possibly herself or um, another God, uh, like a what we or, traditionally call gods, like or, the Adra. Or, yeah, or the Godhead or, or the God Godhead as a concept. Right. Just yeah. the, you know, yeah, referring so, to whatever is you know, meta from, from, yeah. you know, the, the current position. It's, so it's hard to say. Um, yeah. But in this particular situation, what I think Vivek is talking about is probably better, it would make a little bit more sense if the phrase, the popular notion of a God kills happenstance. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think Vivek's discussing directly um, yeah, a, a particular all-knowing being. Um, uh, he's definitely talking about God, the idea. <clears throat> And so the head of the lobbyists, whose name is forgotten, tried to defend the concept's existence. He said saying something at the same time can be magical, which, I mean, everybody, that's happened to everybody. You, you know, you, you say something at the same time as somebody else, and then you both yell jinx, and then you both count to 10 really fast, and then somebody owes somebody a Coke. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows no. that. Yeah. No, everybody knows that. Quiet, Felix. No. Everybody knows that. that. I don't know about the counting to 10 part. It was just where we could say, Jinx, you owe me a whatever. There's no counting. No, you have to count to 10. Pure That's the rules. That's schoolyard no. rules, dude. You've been doing no. it wrong. Uh, <laughs> no. No, the day an American tells you we've been doing shit wrong, it's a dark day in hell. No. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you need to go back over your life and reassess your entire belief structure, is all yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. All right. I'm um, just saying this is literally how it was in all the playgrounds where I grew up. Same, same. Then, then, yeah, then well, then the well, we can't both be right, Felix. <laughs> Remember, there is no, there is no happenstance. Counting can, can, can yeah. to ten, what kind of like 
weird play like that. You already do enough math <laughs> school. It's about right? get that shit done on the playground. Okay? Right. So, so, so it seems like you can. You can't count. Who counts? That, that children would take a low-level educational practice and apply it to schoolyard <laughs> uh, because they need that. They rigor, need the structure. Right? They're they're, they're, they're yeah. The yeah. Mm-hmm. So they gotta find some other. This is way. really more a reflection on the American education system rather yeah. than it is oh, yeah. on my upbringing. Let's be oh, 100%. clear about this. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> although, although I would, I would amend that. I think the education system, while yes, it could always use some reform. I think it's the American public who are the problem. Okay, it's, that's yeah. A, a strain yeah. of anti-intellectualism causes mm-hmm. parents to not kill, not kill, not care about. <laughs> Their children's schoolwork, which means the children don't care about the schoolwork, which means when they have kids, they don't care about the schoolwork, and so on and so forth. Ignorance breeds ignorance. Um, and uh, I can sort of see that, but I would also challenge that. But that's not what we're here for today. We can have this debate <laughs> no, a whole no. other time. Everybody can check off. Chat goes off the rails again, and then yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if that were right. twice, you, yeah. could, you could definitely. So I, I think as I was saying earlier, Vivek knew that to retain his divinity, that he must make a stray, strong argument against luck. And this is what I meant before about the, the popular notion of God. If Vivek is going to insist that Vivek is the kind of God who is all-knowing and all-powerful, then Vivek is going to have to defeat the concept of uh, coincidence, which is... Um, it makes a kind of sense. There's a lot of this kind of weird logic in uh in 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 the 36 lessons and uh i i think that we can all kind of comprehend certainly in this in the setting of the elder scrolls universe we can all kind of like formulate an idea of gods or extremely powerful beings that exist in a world that is still chaotic and uncontrollable but in this particular circumstance vivek is trying to suggest that everything is going according to a plan and what I would, what I also wanted to suggest, I don't think I did, but what I also wanted to, wanted to suggest is the idea that by arguing this, Vivek is in fact creating the situation where Z is correct. Um, so this kind of goes with my theory, with one of the many theories that I have about 30, the 36 lessons, which is that uh, they are Vivek writing herself into divinity. Um, and so cre- the, by creating a narrative, Vivek is therefore creating the history of um, her divinity and therefore also like granting would, herself powers and that kind of would shit. That, would that qualify as Prolix Tower, do you think? I don't know what that word means. <laughs> Pro- What'd you say? I, I don't think I heard you. It's, it's, it's one, of, one of the walking ways, Prolix Tower. Oh yes, yes. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I have I have a couple of times speculated that that the that the third, the actual creation of the thirty six lessons might be the prolix tower, um, but uh, I haven't really been able to seal the deal on that in my head yet. Yeah, like I don't one hundred percent get it. Um, it doesn't it. The, the, when I'm when I'm writing things like uh, for for the thirty six lessons, there if I if I put something in. I, I don't want to, you know, the saying, if you, if you understand something, then if you can't, if you can't teach it to someone, then you don't understand it. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Like if I, if I can't explain that idea of the prolix tower in my own head and cover all the connections that it seems like the prolix tower is making, then I don't think I really understand it. And I don't want to mention it, you know? Well then can I offer my understanding? Cause yeah. maybe it's completely off base. You know, I'm willing to be wrong here. Um, my understanding of the prolix tower was that it's more kind of about like, like how when you read and learn about a new subject and hopefully actually retain 
uh, the knowledge and not just, you know, repeat the words who say it's a, it's a, a vegetable, is it? Or like, you know, a potato is a kind of subterraneous tuber. It's like, so what do those words mean, right? Like, if you don't actually comprehend it, then you haven't really learned it. And so for me, the prolix tower, the way I understood it, which again, might be completely off base here, was that it's the process by which one reads up about godhood through a variety of sources and through understanding actually what the authors are saying, one kind of has that light bulb moment and that light bulb in that case is godhood or divinity. Mm-hmm. One reads oneself into divinity. So it's like, oh, hey, wait a second. Yeah, I'm kind of making some connections between what Mankar Cameron's saying and allegedly some of the words of a Tiber Septim about I do this for you, Red Legions, for I love you. And now I'm hearing about like some weird stuff about like 36 lessons from some weird floating blue motherfucker over in Mormon. Okay, uh, blue and yellow. wait a second. And then it's kind of like, oh, Oh, mm-hmm. secret tower. Yeah, right. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's how that's I understand the Prolix Tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a giant it's a dong. Um, um, yeah, that's and that's basically how how I understand it. So it's not about like one writes oneself into divinity. I think like that is kind of you know it might be a part of it, but my understanding of what the core concept of the Prolix Tower is is one reads about divinity and understands it to the point that one then becomes divine oneself. Right. I have a different understanding, but I don't want to get too far away from the uh, the, the point here. The sermons right. ain't that long. We got two hours, so. Well, uh, well, that and also I should mention that the Prolix Tower is also called the Hurling Disc, and so you get to... Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the hurling disc was just a wheel cosmology. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought, too. To yeah. Hurled to reach heaven by violence. Yeah, but you, you, you have to ride the wheel in a certain <laughs> way to to make it to 12 o'clock or whatever. Sorry. I'm sorry. I just had like one of those like terrible shitty meme ideas. It's Anu. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, you know, like this, all this stuff is happening. He's got, got some subgradients going on. It's like this bitch empty. Yeet, and that's the hurling disc. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm a terrible person. Let's see. Let, let, hope that works out for you. Um, <laughs> see how many updates you get for that one. So, uh, okay. So, um, Vivek says, and we're just going to run through this one real fast. Is not the sudden revelation of corresponding conditions and disparate elements that gel at the moment of the coincidence one of the prerequisites to being, in fact, coincidental? Synchronicity comes out of repeated coincidences at the lowest level. Further examination shows that it is the other utter power of the sheer number of coincidences that lead one to the idea that synchronicity is guided by something more than chance. Therefore, synchronicity ends up invalidating the concept of the coincidental, even though they are symptomatic signs that bring it to the surface. Uh, yes, I totally understood that. Now, once okay. again, it, but in English, um, yeah, let's see. It's not the sudden revelation of corresponding conditions. So knowing <clears throat> what's what's happening and different elements that gel at the moment. So just because two things happen coincidentally, doesn't mean uh, that there's a yeah. Yeah, it doesn't uh, mean that it is coincidental. Yeah, synchronicity comes out of repeated coincidences at the lowest. So, so primarily, there are repeated coincidences that have to yeah. happen. So, so, so he's talking about a pattern. Exactly, the pattern which, which, of of chaos is therefore a pattern, and therefore, and then, um, yeah, yeah. So that's so that must be what uh, Dius studies. Uh, 
which would explain why mm-hmm. he's still confused by the prisoner showing up. Oh, you don't you don't fit into this mathematically. Right. You you are not a product of the synchronicity. Yeah. Uh, Kennemeister's yeah. got it in chat. Yeah. Too many coincidences oh, oh, mean yeah, there's up. no such thing as coincidence. Yeah. If it was total chaos, then yeah. it would all be just one big fuzz and nothing. There would be no pattern. And therefore, so, so, so then gets this, into a different aspect. of. Yeah. So this yeah. argument right. itself is whether or not there is the popular notion of God. Yeah. Coincidence is irrelevant mm-hmm. in and of itself. It's and all, it's already, it already doesn't matter. You're talking right. about you're talking about things that are irrelevant. Yeah. Well, I mean, but but I think what Vivek is also arguing is is for the existence of the popular notion of God or the possibility of the popular notion of God. Mm-hmm. And by basically by arguing the fact that two things can happen at the same time creates a pattern and pattern is therefore order and therefore or it's it's like therefore what you perceive as chaos in the in the in the uh, uh, in the micro in the macro is actually pattern and will. Um, so which, which makes a lot of sense when you, yeah, yeah, when, when you think about it from Vivek's perspective, the idea that if you're, 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 if you think coincidence exists, then you're not seeing the forest for the trees. Yeah. Okay. Well, that funnily enough, that, that syncs up with my own ideas of the Godhead. It's Mm -hmm. yes, the dream is chaotic, but it's all contained within the Godhead because all things are metaphorical for what's going on in Mm -hmm. the mind of Godhead. And and I mean, right. bear in mind, viewers, I adhere to the notion that the Godhead is a literal normal person just dreaming. Oh. That oh. does not that that does not mean you have to do that. It's just it's just what I like um, because I think it's neat. It makes us all gods, um, mm-hmm. which is which at is, some point in the middle of the yeah. night. Um, yeah. One, um, well, one real quick, I also mm-hmm. want to say, um, you, saying that last little analogy there about missing the forest for the trees is actually really clever um because and at least this is you know my opinion on the whole thing um people seem to view plants and just you know the natural world as as chaos and it can be chaotic but for example with regards to plants and trees there's a lot of mathematical equilibrium that goes into that mm-hmm. so you know like the you, like they, they, they finally figured out that if you actually take um a tree and measure it at its widest point and then you also calculate you know from the very tips of, of the furthest branches. If you collected all of it together, you're somehow able to stack a tree up into a single unified column. The circumference would be the same. And so they actually yeah. like went to several trees and tried this out and it was yeah, correct. So, so even though the trees kind of look like, oh, you can never guarantee, you know, which branch yeah. goes where and some may snap off. And that's, yes, that's true. That's, but that's in terms of ratio. how the tree grows, it is yeah. like ordained by a mathematical equation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with like leaves branching off in like pairs of one or two or three or alternating. We are actually surrounded by math yeah. everywhere mm-hmm. in the natural world, even though it can seem and feel very chaotic and strewn about. It's not like, you know, like a neatly arranged, you know, French garden or whatever. neatly yeah. But there is definitely yeah. order and math going on behind the scenes <laughs> that we don't fully Ew, recognize. Right. And that's uh and that's why and, conspiracy well, theories are real in the deep states out to get you, kids. <laughs> well, and that's and, and, and that's why the those, Democrats are all pedophiles. And yeah. for, for those of you interested in that, look up the golden ratio. Um, it's something that's that's discovered in, in nature all the time. Um if, oh. if you've ever seen that that uh it's, a, it's an image of multiple rectangles forming yeah, with a, a spiral. 
Yeah, that is the golden ratio, and it has to do with with like like Felix was take uh, was was saying, you know, like the distance between the the bottommost branches to the next ones, and then from those ones to the next ones up, right. it's the same ratio. Yeah, it's always it's always a similar kind of. Isn't the golden yeah. ratio related to the Fibonacci sequence in some way? Yes, yes, yes. Which is why people That's... never shut the fuck up about the tool song that you Th- use. Thank you. I was just about to fucking mention that. <laughs> I was I was thinking that the, the, the whole lot of tool fans song. in chat just got an erection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, like, to be fair, it's a good song, but it's like, I fucking know. Everyone knows at this point. Did you know that this song by Tool used the golden ratio? Except it doesn't. Whole, you know, mathematical <laughs> probability except, discovered by Da Vinci. Except like, it doesn't. Yes, because y'all never shut the fuck up. But it up doesn't. About it. it doesn't. They they interviewed Tool and the and and uh, Maynard was like, no, that's poor shit. We didn't do any of that crap. <laughs> He's like, we would we wouldn't write a song that was that structured. He's like that that would you know that would uh, that would constrain us too much, man. We just that's coincidence that uh, we didn't do that on. Maynard is basically a chaos entity, so I only ever trust maybe about one out of every five things he says. Yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, this one I kind of trust because I, 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 I'm pretty, pretty confident that Maynard's not going to, um, not toot his own horn if given the. I don't mean that negatively. I mean he's very, very good. So I, I would toot my horn too if I was him. Um, yeah. uh, if you want really structured, ordered uh, music, they can always look into math rock. I thoroughly recommend Polyphia. I, I listen to a lot of Mashuga, so yeah. The also good, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so you're gonna learn a lot about host and guest rhythms and polyrhythms and shit. Um, so uh, anyway, thus was coincidence destroyed in the land of the Velothi. Tweet pop done. We're done. That was it. That was coincidence. You can say goodbye. Don't All let right, the door split. Awesome. Don't, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Then an old bone of the earth rose up before the simulacrum of the Netriman's wife and said, if you are to be born a ruling king of the world, you must confuse it with new words. Send me into pondering. So what old bone is this? I mean, most people think earth bones. They think Adra. Um, right. Is that even? Yeah. Eldofe is what the is what UESP is linking to. Um, yeah. I'm not ruling out the possibility that that's what Kirkbride was thinking. But. My fan went off. Uh-oh. But it's. Uh-oh. uh uh, but the question is really, you know, uh, what Elnofe, what, what, uh, Etata or, um, uh, what Adra would show up and want to be confused by things. And also let's not, I mean, I'm not actually looking for a legitimate answer to this because, uh, I'm not, I'm also not suggesting that, uh, uh, one, one culture has got the Adra unlock. So, um, but it's, it's just something to think about. Uh, so Vivek I mean, says, Oh, uh, well, do you want to give it a shot? I, I'm, I'm not. I'm actually suggesting that there is no answer. But um, oh, like which which the Earth Bone wants to be confused? Yeah, like I I don't I don't think it's one particular Adra. Um, I mean, I also said it's probably not going to be one particular one. But if I had to maybe throw a guess or two out there, um, I would say Akatosh or Ariel, um, because sure. of the very nature of time being. Confusing us, you know, given the dragon's madness and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be kind of like, you know, hey, little bitch boy, or well, sorry, um, you know, hey, 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 little egg, tell me, you know, something I don't know because I've seen a lot of shit that hasn't it. even happened mm-hmm. yet and throughout multitudes, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like you really have to try and impress me because I've seen some shit. Uh, I could also, well, yeah. in my opinion, make an argument for. Um, Mara, given like the nature of love and how it's quantified in terms of like 
platonic love and uh if you wanted to have like a kind of more marital love or the love we show to friends and family things like that uh there's ways of that being in terms of emotionally confusing so those are the two that immediately come to mind but i agree that like you can't just say oh it's absolutely so and so i'm just throwing out like if 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 someone you know gun to my head said you got to choose a day or two for like what you think this would be those would be my two guesses mm-hmm. so um vivek cranks out another little piece of poetry, which is, uh, let me talk to you of the world, which I share with mystery and love, which uh, we're talking about. Um, I am and set. Who is her capital? Have you taken the scenic route of her cameo? I have lightly in secret missing candles because they're on the untrue side and run my hand along the edge of a shadow made from 103 divisions of warmth and left no proof. Okay. Does that make any sense to anybody? My argument is that it's not supposed to. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I think that's a synesthesia. At least mm-hmm. that last bit there, mm-hmm. um, the the and run my hand along the edge of a shadow, made mm-hmm. from 103 divisions of warmth. That that sounds like I have a hard time parsing. I mean, 103. I can't think of any time that is an important number anywhere else. Um, you know, warmth. I mean, maybe different ways to use the word. Maybe mm-hmm. how many definitions of warmth are there, but it's certainly not 103. Dang. Um, oh, okay. Come on, what? we've done this before. Hmm? The shadow self. We were talking about philosophy. <sighs> You're talking about run my hand along the edge of a shadow made from 103 divisions of warmth? Okay, so the whole the with the last part again. Missing candles because they're on the untrue side and run my hand along the edge of a shadow made from 103 divisions of warmth and left no proof. Missing candles are untrue. So, a <clears throat> couple ways we can break this down, right? <clears throat> First off, I forget who, but someone, I don't know if we did it in a video or is it someone else's video or it was like a post on like the Tesla subreddit or something, but people made really good and strong connections between the um, Shiver House expansion uh-huh. Where you have to confront your shadow self. And it's actually like a mini boss battle if you're like oh, I remember really that. doing this like. And uh-huh. so it's that idea, and I forget if it's like Kant or someone else who talks about, you know, the, the the shadow self where it's a reflection of you, but not entirely. It's you know obscured again by the shadow. It's not entirely knowable as a concept, but it is a part of you, whether you uh-huh. recognize it consciously or subconsciously. So that for me is like one part of, of operating. Um, the other thing that we could keep in mind in terms of like trying to build a bigger picture of what maybe Vivek is saying here, and it's not just maybe synesthesia doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, let's, let's actually try and do our job here for a second. Um, I think that then on top of that, with um, feeling warmth is about that aspect of self-love that is crucial to Vivek's idea of what love truly is and being able to become a god. On top of that, if there are candles missing from that, and I'm assuming maybe we want to go with like, the, you know, 108 that's um, symbolic in Hinduism and then like, you know, 1008 in, in Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. It could be that, you know, maybe we can actually infer that there's only five candles missing and those five are related to Adra or Dater for whatever reason. I know that's a bit of a stretch, but I'm just saying like, it's a possibility that people could keep in mind. Well, but uh, for me, I the, can explain the, the candles of, of like warmth and run my fingers along the edge of a shadow is like, being able to taste or beginning to, to like not taste, but like beginning to sense 
the shadow so, self and learning to then recognize that and begin to feel like warmth towards it rather than coldness and aversion, which is often associated with shadows, which thus actually improves one's journey towards self-love, which helps in the advent of godhood in the Elder Scrolls universe. Mm-hmm. That would be how I'd try and like, quote, make sense of that. Well, I can definitely tell you, I can definitely explain the candles. Um, the reason why Vivek says candles are on the untrue side is because in later sermons, Vivek will go through great lengths to explain that the moment you try to define anything, you lose the truth. And the sense of like the platonic forms, um, the only truth, true form of anything can be held only in your head and it can't be comprehended much like the Tao. Um, you can't understand like like the moment you try to explain or put into words or describe something you lose it's the true essence of what it is that you're talking about um and i think that's what vivek is talking about here is when when z says that uh um uh, uh lost my place uh lightly in secret missing candles because they're on the untrue side is but vivek was saying that uh, Vivek was traveling in a way that was closer to truth in the respect that it was undefinable and yeah. I, I, the way I'm reading that, missing candles because they're on the untrue side, that mm-hmm. tells me there is light mm-hmm. that looks like candles but they're not candles, they're fake candles. So it's, it's oh, some yeah. untrue light, something that is being deceptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's I mean, maybe this is a reference to the anticipations, maybe, because they're not the true gods we are. Um, Mm -hmm. And those are the missing candles where uh, something like that, you're following this light and you should be following us, but it's not time yet. Um, Something along those lines, that's kind of the, the avenue I was going down. Um, but I like that run my hand along the edge of a shadow made from 103 divisions of warmth. That I, I like what you were thinking with that, Felix. Um, I doubt it's in reference to that one fight in Shivering Isles, but I think. No, and, and I'm if, not saying, I'm just saying yeah, 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 people yeah, of like, hey, just, in terms of understanding shadow sure. in the context of the Elder Scrolls sure. universe. Mm-hmm. And then, like, like again, Which, I forget if it was Kant or someone else and had the idea of like the shadow self. Remind, yeah, yeah, remind me what the relationship is between the shadow self and ego death. Uh, that I'm not even 100% sure. That's why I'm yeah. um, to reference like... Oh, I'm not sure because if you, if you face your Jungian shadow and you... Uh, that's what was young. Cross that off, check mark, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that you, you defeat your shadow self yes. for some reason. Right. Is that not a path to ego death? It's it it I don't know if it's the path, but it, it is a way that Jung I mean, talked about obtaining ego okay, death. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds it sounds like I mean perhaps that's what Vec is discussing is ego death. You have to kill yourself. You have to be you are that, that missing candle. No. You are that, that life that's not really yours, maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah. The the way I understand the shadow self and its relation to the ego is that um, Jung was was trying to suggest that the uh, that this is that uh, weird. Oh, is that some on my monitor? Yes. Okay. That Jung was trying to suggest that the uh, the shadow self is like an evil 
the 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 evil part of our personalities that we have to learn uh, to uh, confront and uh, identify and absorb or transform or etc. Like basically, which, which is, confront which is, is the right think, is the right is, word. However, which you is do what it. I think Padme is. And that's also why people, uh, if they want a really good idea of this in terms of practice and in a fun video game, Persona 4. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a good person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Persona 4 and 5, I think, are almost required reading for, you know, Jungian um, psychotherapy. Uh, uh, Persona 5's got a bunch of great shit in it, too. I can either wait for 6, the way they're going right now, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, Hopefully. And, uh, and so they have, it'll probably come out before Elder Scrolls 6 too. And so the, 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 the problem that, uh, that people have when they're confronting the shadow self is that it is, um, all the parts of our personality and our, all the choices that we've made and so on that are, are hideous to our, to, and repulsive that we hate about ourselves. It's, uh, the Dalai Lama is a, a, a has a quote that I like to regurgitate a lot, which is that we hate in others, but we hate in ourselves. And it's, uh, it's something that I've caught myself doing, which was revelatory, uh, that when I, when I see an aspect of myself in someone else that I'm not proud of, it, it repulses me and I hate it. And, um, and it's gotten to the point now where every time somebody does something that pisses me off or does, or does anything, or, or I, I realize that I'm really angry about something about that somebody, or I'm re really angry at somebody. The fastest way for me to resolve it internally is to just figure out what it is about them that reminds me of me. And then, you know, I mean, at the very least, it starts to make sense. It may not, I might still be, I might still be pissed, but it'll at least make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least you'll, you'll kind of yeah. figure out why your mind is uh, yeah. working that way. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, um, uh, uh, that's kind of a, a key part of self-awareness that um, I've been working on for the past fuck decade. Uh <laughs> You've Jesus. been doing this a long time. I've been doing here. I've been here a minute. Um, so uh, one of the uh, one, one of the things that Persona suggested was that we have to defeat our shadow selves in Persona Four. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was four. And uh, in in order to um, uh, self actualize, in order to to uh, 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 step closer to ego death, and uh, but but there's a lot more to ego death than just uh, confronting and uh, admitting that you have. That there are parts of you that you don't like, um, and then uh, uh, when a lot of people uh, talk, when when we were discussing at, at great lengths in various episodes, the capital L love of um, that Vivek talks about, it's it's related to like loving yourself is related to loving the shadow part of yourself, and um, uh, and that doesn't mean that it's carte blanche acceptance like you just go well I'm, I'm 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 son of a bitch and i'm just gonna lean into it that, that's not how love works what i was saying about like you know running along you know the the shadow and feeling mm -hmm. warmth i'm like that for me was the immediate kind of connection right um, i get that yeah and, and uh yeah in in uh slight clarification is um persona 4 like yeah that's how it, it starts it's like you know there's a shadow version that confronts the various different characters except the main character and, of course because the main character is flawless <laughs> But um, every and, and time like, those NPCs no, are like, this can't be part of me, me. I reject it. 
And I, you just yeah, want the main like, character to just go, me. listen, okay, listen, you're about to meet like a dark version of yourself, okay? Whatever you do, don't reject it, you know? Yeah, Which, yeah that, that would have resolved a lot of problems. Well, of also, like, it's know, impossible wait. to do, but... Yeah, but, you know, like, this, the whole, it builds up in the drama, the same with every fight before, you know, you get the party member, it's like, what? What the hell? This isn't me! No, I reject you! And then, like, ha, yeah. ha, ha, and then boss battle begins, they have to mm-hmm. fight it down, and then eventually it's like, you know... Hey, no, yeah. now you, you've, you've hit the hit point slow enough. Now you got to talk to it and basically yeah. reconcile with this part of yourself. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Now that I've had time to think in this 50 minute long fucking battle. Um, yeah. You know what? I recognize like, yeah, I did kind of feel this way and that's unfortunate, but you know what? I own it. I recognize that I have work to do. And then it kind of like dissolves mm-hmm. away. And then the good version <laughs> yeah. of it shows up and then like, Oh, look, I have my persona now. I have a persona now. So, I've know, got my own stando. Like, persona! And then yeah. you, like, break a tarot card, and then, like, weird, crazy, like... Shoot yourself in the head. And <laughs> shows up, and you're like, okay, yeah, this tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this... Yeah, <laughs> right. Now, now we're back on board, yeah. Yeah, Twilight po- points out in the Clockwork City DLC, you fight Shadows. Um, and yes. I was really looking yes. forward to seeing where they were going to go with it, and they didn't really go anywhere with it. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it just kind of ended up being sort of I mean they tried they got they got, they did better than they usually do. I mean it was did it was do better than Meridius Quest with like the, the, the shades of uh of Stormcloaks and Imperial Soldiers. Isn't war so bad? Get your demon slayer sword. That whole thing with, with Diveth Fear where where we had to fight his shadow. I think there's an argument to be made there that the shadow is actually the animus. Um, yeah, of, I think that's where they're of, headed with it. Of an individual, yeah, because mm-hmm. it had to do with his magical ability, yeah. and if magic is is formed from the soul, the, the magical creation and and the soul, yeah, mm-hmm. because that's the animus is the magical energy that allows a an individual to be mobile, mm-hmm. um, you know, and to be animate and alive. Um, then it seems to me that that when he lost his ability to cast spells and things, that was his animus that was missing, which means that the shadow must be related to that. Yeah. Um, that was that was what I sussed from it, at least. So, um, that's, yeah. So, okay. So, uh, let, let let me let me get past this part. Uh, at this, the old bone folded unto itself twenty times until it became akin to milk, which Vivek drank, becoming a ruling king of the world. So, I don't know if twenty times is significant. I think we could probably read stuff into that number, but there's nothing that I've been able to come up with that's really hyper firm on uh, twenty. I think it's just sort of a number. I know I know that there's things like, you know, there's a geometrical limit. It's a way there's a way to calculate how often you can fold something until it becomes impossible to fold, but it has more to do with like uh, yeah. uh surface tension surface physics or something. I can't remember. Isn't it like eight times or something? Um yeah, there's, there's a there's a, a piece of paper. The, the study is that like how many times can you fold a piece of paper and the theoretical limit with by by just pure math is twelve times. Yeah. Um, well, and that's and that's that's why in uh, one of the more recent uh, uh, seasons of Rick and Morty, when he, when he when he when he realizes that he's uh, uh, in in a, a simulation, he goes, "All right, Jerry, I'm gonna need you to to get up and fold yourself twelve times." He goes, "All right," he gets up and he starts to fold himself. Yeah, I can't and remember he can, that. Yeah. He can only get like. 
six. And he's like, come on, six. Are you guys even trying with this hardware? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, uh, so it becomes like milk, which, uh, Vivek drinks, which, I mean, I mean, yeah, of course there's the, the, the DNA concept of semen possibly, which we get a lot of that in 36 lessons, (laughs) but also there's, uh, milk is used pretty often in a lot of, uh, rituals in a whole bunch of religions, uh, as a, I feel like it's, I feel like it can be taken biblically too. Um, Yeah. Because that, that the the promised land of the Hebrews was the land of milk and honey, or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, I mean, it sounds to me like it's uh, a euphemism for prosperity, maybe. And in, in that sense, so I'm, I'm not really <laughs> we're touching on something that I can rant about for a little bit. So, um, in terms of a lot of ancient quote-unquote, ancient civilizations, which is where a lot of this comes from, especially in the Indo-European classical tradition, we have to remind ourselves that we are talking about people that for the longest time were either, you know, started out as pastoralists and then went to agriculture. But both of those necessitated the use of what we consider old-world farming animals. This is where we get things like cows Mm -hmm. and sheep and goats. So, the product from the yaks, of course. So the products from these were also tied into in what many people had was a cyclical view of nature. It ties into birth, like you know, the birth right. like the cow has babies, baby grows up on the milk. We can also eat the milk. Look at all the various different things we can, you know, make from milk. We can make cheese, butter. Uh, Our wives cream, produce like milk when they're pregnant. The yeah. Top. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. right? Weird, but yeah. Um, cheese was a happy accident. Uh, and so, you know, for a lot of, of places, if you break this down, like uh, certain certain heavenly realms to uh, the Zoroastrians were lands that were, you know, like it, it like uh, there's one that describes um, like the true kingdom of heaven in Hinduism, where it describes it as a land uh, where like it rains ghee or like ghee is somehow right. involved. Ghee is clarified butter. But yeah. of course, one has to remember that that is a product. That comes from the famous uh, cows in India, which are seen as Shiva's vehicle because mm-hmm. Shiva's a great destroyer and like cows can destroy, but they can also renew. They're a necessary part of life. Like it, there's a whole tied in thing and about using them to revere them for all that they give you. Like this, there's, there's a whole bunch of different things I'm grossly just skipping over right yeah. now. <laughs> I, I know it's hard to sum mm-hmm. up 6,000 years of religion. In history, right? What? Come like, on. I'm just saying this, this all ties into it, right? It's what you see the same with uh, the various Mongol tribes. About, you know, oh, yes, you know, uh, yak smoke and blood will make you strong. will make you a good warrior. So, you know, when you have yeah. that kind of context in mind about milk and its uses and how it's nourishing, it's strengthening, it comes from something of the earth that, you know, sustains you, the you can master or control in terms of like pastoralism, or it's used uh, to, you know, plow the fields for agricultural reasons. There's a whole bunch of different real practical and also spiritual bases that all coalesce to render it very significant. And so that's why in like Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, in Judaism, you know, a land of milk and honey, a, a great realm where, you know, it rains ghee and, uh, uh, oh, in, in, in God's temple, you know, you can always have, you know, cold, chilled milk, and it's you know the 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 best most refreshing milk you've ever had. Like, there's there's you know one one sucks at the teat of wisdom. Like there's all these things relating teat. to like the nourishing aspect of a cow and milk 
in some way throughout a great many cultures from India to France. Which, and again, that's also where like, you have like the Indo-European history. That's kind of where it came from. Yeah. Which is why it doesn't necessarily track in, say, North American indigenous cosmology and use of animals in that regard, right? So mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there is that that needs to be kept in mind. But broadly speaking, that's kind of why there's all this, you know, wh- wh- why is it about land of, of, of milk and honey? Because it's, it's nourishing, it's enriching, it's life-sustaining because of, you know, fat, calcium, certain other trace minerals. That's why for so many people, it, it was like, what, 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 a, what a great thing that the gods so graciously provided us with, right? And how they view that or put emphasis on one or two aspects of that, that's up to the independent different cultures. But there's always a kind of unified core nugget of truth at the end of it, which is what an amazing thing that we have on this planet. Milk's the great. Cow. Yeah. And, but this creates this milk vivek drinks and becomes a ruling king of the world so that's it it's done like you you gotta like uh like vivek writes the entirety of the 36 lessons of vivek to teach people how to become ruling kings and he just got it done with a glass of milk well again is it is it, is it milk or is it semen or is it like milk is supposed to be a metaphor for something else it's it's akin to milk wink <laughs> Okay, so uh, finally the Chancellor of Exactitude appeared and he was perfect to look upon from every angle. It's got that glow up. It's got to be jiggle lag. It's got to be. Vivek understood the challenge immediately and said... uh, Semen is really good for the skin, so... Certitude is is for puzzle box logicians and girls of white glamour who harbor it on their own time. I am a letter written in uncertainty and don't you wish James was here today? Yes, I um, yes, but but also I'm just like you know white girls. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> oh it, my god, it, have you seen the back? And Vivek's it, Vivek's too much of a bad bitch for this shit. That's shit. That my, shit is basic. <laughs> my my wife when she is drunk is peak white girl. It's, oh yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. I hope your wife doesn't watch these. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. Maybe so, she, did. she 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 don't up to it. So she what does. are puzzle box logicians, do you think? Dwemer. Dwemer, uh, yeah. You think that Dwemer puzzle box, is that what we're thinking of? That's that's kind that's of... the only uh, other thing we know about. Yeah, I mean... It's I mean, literally I mean, the first obnoxious quest. We're like, oh, apparently it was in like the grand fucking I mean, lobby, but we all missed it, even with our that, torches. And or, we explored an entire fucking dungeon and then went back to the start and couldn't figure it out. And so we did it three more fucking times just experience farming and then eventually had to go and look in the fucking walkthrough and realize oh it's my on a fucking shelf god it's in the front fucking lobby <laughs> either that or Vec is just saying yeah if you're certain you're a nerd mm-hmm. that too <laughs> i mean yes nerd Certit- sorry yep. i just had to certitude- rant off my chest yeah. certitude there for is- decades certitude is for nerds and girls yeah <laughs> <laughs> Nerdy girls in particular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a lot of written in the certainty, bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that almost sounds like an argument for Vivek being. It does kind of. Yeah, it yeah, does kind yeah. of. Uh, but yeah. I don't, I don't think it like is. The movie Heathers. Um, 
So the Chancellor bowed his head and smiled 50 different and perfect ways all at once. He pulled the astrolabe of the universe from his robe and broke it in half, handing both halves to the egg image of Vivek. Vivek laughed and said, Yes, I know, the slave labor of the senses is as selfish as polar ice and worsens when energies are spent on life on a life others regard as fortunate. To be a ruling king, I will have to suffer much that cannot be suffered and to weigh matters that no astrolabe or compass can measure. Okay. I was, I was reading that. Uh, uh-huh. And wait, let me read it again. Um, well, while you're reading, like uh, a nerd. Yes, I know, slave labor of the census. So the slave labor of the census, that sounds like empiricism. Right. Um, which is, is, it's selfish as polar ice in that it hoards memory? Um, I brought up in the New Whirling School, I brought up the Ayatana, the sense sphere of the human body in Buddhism. Mm. Um, it's one of the, uh, fundamental things that Buddhists use when they're the, one of the fundamental models that Buddhists use when they talk about how you, uh, how the, the, the universe is illusory because it's being filtered yeah. through this, um, sphere of horseshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, and, wor- and worsens when energies are spent on life, others regard as fortunate. So if you're right. Spending time <clears throat> concerned about your own livelihood, you're doing it wrong. Well, and also, if other people consider your life to be fortunate, that means you haven't suffered enough. Is what he's is what he's getting at. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost, almost like a like. A, it's why Siddhartha criti- left the, the palace. It's, yeah, it's a criticism of privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's basically like uh, an, another similar example because I obviously don't want to be the only one left out of this to offer <clears> my piece. <throat> <of this. throat> Um, it's also similar to how, you know, for a lot of people, and I want to stress here, this isn't just, you know, conservatives or liberals, but a lot of people seem to view their own lived experience as the default, right? Right. So, you know, hey, I got got my wife friends who, you know, they they can't understand some of the racism that I've experienced. At the same time, I can't understand what women have experienced, right? right? Well, but, 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 and, and in defense of people in general, that perspective is not necessarily a selfish or ignorant one because a lot of people consider themselves to be boring like normal like average unexceptional people and so they assume that because they grew up the way they did that that's the normal way of growing up it's not it's not a you know well everybody's like everybody's like me because i'm awesome it's i'm not interesting and so everybody's probably had the same experiences as me so they don't really take the opportunity to think outside of that you know well, and, or, and or that's to, why i mentioned you know. that you know it's, it's not political or anything it's that a lot of people through their own lived experiences it's why when i first heard mm-hmm. you know from from women just casually mentioning yeah you know i always check the back seat of my car and i'm like wait what why why, why, why would you do that someone's back there i'm yeah. like oh no God, one's gonna be back there yeah sense, but it's not something <laughs> that i ever had to think about or worry about mm-hmm. as a cis hetero man right so, well, yeah. so you yeah. know that that's sort of just the core point that I want to kind of try and stress to people is that like don't see it as an attack or me trying to make justifications, no. nor is it you know like a willful ignorance. It's just we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So here's so, here's something that I would like everybody because I assume uh, probably uh, honestly knowing what I know about video games, this is probably at least a little bit correct. Majority of our readers statistically are probably going to be men. Um, what I would, what I would ask our male listeners and watchers to do is find a woman of your age, um, or older or, or whatever. And if they, if you 
are like good friends with them, good enough friends to ask this question, don't fucking ask everybody. <laughs> but if you're good, if you're good enough friends to ask this question, ask them to tell you a story of something that a guy did that was really creepy or dangerous. Because statistically speaking, every woman in the United States past a certain age, and that age is horrifyingly low, has a, a sexual assault story. Yeah. They all do. All of them. And the thing that I really want to uh, emphasize to guys out there is that it's the same for men. All, almost all men past a certain age have also have a sexual assault story, but few of us are aware of it. Because we either didn't know that it was sexual assault when it happened, and it hasn't been pointed out to us, or we're just sort of, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we just, well, that's just, it's just boys being I boys mean, I, or something like that. I remember one time in Mexico, I was walking down a sidewalk and some girls were walking the other way and one of them touched my butt. Okay. Yeah, no, well, which, that, which at that the time, at the, high school. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, it was like, oh, what, what happened? Yeah, right. You're and, like, huh? And, yeah. you know, my buddy was laughing, but... You know, yeah, right. Uh, Happy the camper, especially in this cyber online age. Oh, God, if you if you loop in like ver like stuff that's happened by email or text or something. Oh, I yeah, mean, it's, it's horrifying. Women uh, got some stories. Yeah, yeah. But, and, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, to, to kind of like from what Andrew's saying, I remember it happened a few times in high school where girls were like, you know, th they were usually girls that I knew we weren't. The, those who did it were never like super close with me, but like we were in similar friend circles. So we did like hang out. We saw each other at some parties every now and then. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there were a few instances where I would just be like, you know, minding my business, you know, just like talking with friends or something. And then I'd come and like, I just, you know, come to realize that someone just like literally either like gave a little pinch of my butt or they slapped my butt. And I would just be like, the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, it, it's someone who I knew. So it wasn't, you know, what yeah. the fuck? Mm -hmm. like, it was still like in retrospect, like, I didn't, I didn't invite you to touch yeah. the butt. Mm -hmm. That's a point yeah. of privilege. Yeah. For the women that I choose to voluntarily have in my life in an intimate manner, right? You are I mean, not that. It's, it's different if, if it's different if you know my wife, you know, gives me a like spank as she walks by or whatever. Like that's she's my yeah, wife. But, that's yeah, and, and I'm talking about like people who I knew where I wasn't even necessarily <laughs> double back. Yeah, no, and we're talking several different girls at the like over the course of high school. It didn't happen often, but there were definitely like at least three, maybe four times where it happened uh, in high school. Um, and that, and like, it was perpetrated by three different yeah. girls. So mm -hmm. like, sure, a rare occasion, but it still happened. Right. And in retrospect, people would think like, touch the butt. And yes, they were cute, but I didn't ask for my butt to be touched. And I wasn't dating these people. If you know, my, my girl comes up to me and like casually, you know, grabs my butt. I was like, okay, that's a little weird, but like, whatever, we're together. This wasn't that. And so it's like definitely a thing where like, I'm not trying to cause a scene about it, which guess what? That's what a yeah. lot of women also feel is, okay, don't cause an immediate scene, but um, no, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they get it a lot worse for a variety of reasons, but as, as Chris points out, and as again, Andrew and I are corroborating here right now, just right. about every guy probably has some kind of story mm -hmm. involving sexual assault. Now, in you know both our cases, that's very, and I hate to use this, but quote, mild... There are plenty of other people, as you've seen with, you know, nation, like nationwide scandals of, you know, coaches, teachers, power and authority from parents, uh, uncles, aunts, etc., doing actually really horrific, deeply traumatizing forms of like even worse abuse than, say, just like slapping someone on the butt. 
but it still doesn't mean that you know slapping someone sure. in the butt is ever okay. And unfortunately, yeah. this is something that we see again just as much for men as we do for women. It's just that men are way more reticent to come it's, forward about it for a variety. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not that. It's not that we go. Oh, should I stay? It's that it, a lot of times it doesn't even occur. Yeah, that, that's you know that because that, it's celebrated. Well, it, uh, it's yeah. Like, Bro, did you see when that girl just like you know kiss you randomly at the party and you're kind of like, yeah, man. Oh, like I'm a teenager. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. It's like, but like. I didn't ask for that. Like it just kind of happened. I was kind of like, you know, flabbergasted and kind of yeah. in, in, you know, deer in the headlights moment. Doesn't actually mean in retrospect that that was at all okay, right? Mm-hmm. But, but lots of other people at the time were trying to make it seem like it was okay. It's like, bro, that girl is actually totally really cute. Like, you know, kissed you. Yeah. And, and it's like, actually, let's evaluate that a little bit. Well, that's this is this is kind of something that I think Western cultural in in Western cultures, men are finally coming around to. And the more that we sort of um, confront it in our own lives, the more we become aware of how often men do it to women in Western cultures. And I don't know if the situation is improving for women at all. Um, I I, I doubt it, to be honest. I think it's getting worse. Um, Or at least we're hearing about it more. Yeah. yeah, you you mentioned, you mentioned you know things that things about teachers and those instances in particular stick in me because as a male teacher myself, I now have to and 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 I mean and you preface this as it's not about me, it's about the students. Mm-hmm. But as a fact of my job, I have to be more conscious about what I do and what I say because I refuse to be associated with those teachers. And it gets difficult because I really have to pay attention to what comes out of my face. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, I have to observe, you know, if a student wants a hug, okay, that's fine, but it's gotta be a side hug, full arm thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, if you're alone with a student, you always have the door open, never be alone with Mm -hmm. a student. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a no, no. Because the last thing you want is someone going, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Guar over there had a had a student alone in, uh, student in his alone. office for for, you know, for 20 what? minutes. What happened? In there? <laughs> what uh, you you know, all it takes is one parent seeing something and going hmm. and misinterpreting and then, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all, that's all it takes, and that 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 can be. Or in their and, defense, interpreting it correctly, <laughs> for that matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One one thing that I would add to that is like I can corroborate what Andrew's saying because I have been a teacher, but overseas and it was in yeah. Spain and it was actually like a very incredibly strong moment of culture shock when I saw that students were actually giving teachers like full you know around yeah. like, the body hugs and the teachers were like more or less responding not quite in the same way but just like you know oh yes you know like arms around a little bit like yeah oh, thank you very much and I was like wait what like this is unacceptable where I come from people were like. But no, like this is actually a form of bonding between teachers and students and that fosters greater trust and respect between all parties and caring. Like yeah, this is actually, yeah. in, in our opinion, a way more better beneficial way of yeah. having things. Which, and that for me was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. If I like hugged a student in Indonesia, <laughs> there would be so many questions. Oh, I would yeah, probably yeah. also be brought to trial. There'd be YouTube videos. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. not, to mention, not to mention, you know, especially in the U.S., we've got, oh, teachers are groomers. Yeah, yeah, this is a new discipline. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 well, well, uh, my wife and I were watching an episode of Stranger Things the other night. Why would you and, do that? And, and uh, I don't know. Awesome. Um, is that show good? I don't, 
I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard anything about it. <laughs> um, we haven't finished the whole season, um, but without getting spoilers, there's a part where a figure of authority, like a teacher or a therapist or something, you know, um, a student shows up to her house, which is unusual in its own right. Um, and then she invited the child in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Don't that's you ever do like, that? Oh. <laughs> My mind went off. I was like, no, no, you step outside. You go stand on the fucking porch where people can see. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. invite her in. That's terrible. Andrew, it's possible yeah, and, that and, that and show might not be back. very realistic. I mean, my wife said it was also the 80s. So, I mean. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no. I mean, yeah. I, I can kind of get because there, there wasn't that. Uh, that danger. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or I mean, maybe there was a perceived sense of danger. Yes, though. there we go. Um, yeah, but, in the eighties uh, and the early nineties, in in New Orleans though. East, I used to be able to take my bike out and ride around the neighborhood unsupervised. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. can't do yeah, that I mean, shit these days. Like, yeah, you know, nineties kid. Oftentimes, like, okay, cool. You know, just be back by dinner time. Or, you know, lunch. Or oh yeah, we gotta go yeah. somewhere. Um, but uh, again, to, to sort of corroborate more of what Andrew was saying is sure. Like the whole hugging thing aspect was different in Spain, but it's still very much like, Oh, never have a student and like teacher one-on-one, but absolutely has to be. Then like the door is open, but nine yeah. times out of 10, it's like, there's always a third party involved. So like another student or there's another teacher, like yeah, an administrative yeah. supervisor as, in the room yeah, to talk as, about something with students. So like, I yeah, never, as I got I was, two like, students, alone I'm with good. a student, it was like, I'm there with them. And then my supervisor or like, there's always still that aspect. That's, that's yes. part of it. Right. Which yes. again is why, you know, when it's I just come to things, I was just like, Yo, why inviting this time to have no, like, like, like even when I did private tutoring sessions, it was, I usually had more than one student. And also there was someone else in the rooms, so like an older uh, relative or like, you know, a neighbor yeah. or something. It was still like, Hey, yeah, sure. Fine. I'll like, you know, do like an extra hour of extra tutoring for this student. You just pay me like a ton of euros for it. And, you know, for the privilege and uh, yeah, sure. You know, just make sure that someone there who's who's, like the responsible adult who also properly, you know, speaks the language as opposed to my broken version of, of uh, Spanish and Catalan at the time. It's like, yeah, it's like, there's all those extra little safety measures. Right. And like that, just again, like you said, Andrew threw me for a loop, like, yeah, just, just, just come on in down to my basement office. I'm like, what? No, like, what are you doing? Like, I need an I adult. That it's like that was for the show, but sure. it's like, yeah, yeah, this it, is it, like it, it helps drive the plot. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. I kind of squirmed a little bit when that happened because I, I, I just immediately yelled at the team. I'm like, oh, this, this is how I know that they didn't have someone to actually corroborate if this is standard policy or not. Which yeah. is also why a lot of fight scenes and like military scenes stand out to me because I have enough. Uh, military bros and my friends took over. They're like, actually, this is a very poor understanding of how we engage in firefights. I'm like, interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's that's that's why I like. I I know we are so off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah another one for the bingo. Well, we're at the end of the sermon. There's nothing else to talk about. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fair. Um, but that's why I like watching the corridor corridor digital videos. Oh yeah. The, the, mm-hmm. the corridor crew channel where it's like the behind the scenes VFX artists react. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They get. They get stud people react. Those are a lot of fun. Um, and I've seen, you know, they've had um, sword masters react to sword Ooh. fights. Uh, those are really cool. In fact, there was one of those where they ended up um, using advice from a sword master to help choreograph a lightsaber duel. I've seen that one. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if, yeah. as if the lightsabers were exactly as we think they should work in physics, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're getting touched with it, you're that's, that's it. Your arms off. You're, yeah. you're losing a limb. Mm-hmm. So how does that affect how we fight? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was really fascinating to watch that. You know, side by side. You know, let's go. Uh, you know, Anakin and Obi Wan fight versus. Mm-hmm. You know, right? This yeah, and they're they're very All the different. Swords swirling around each other and stuff. And they're like, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when I remember, I remember in one of these episodes, they also looked at a lightsaber fight, and and the core, the, the choreographer, the, the sword guy, was like, you know, what strikes me as interesting is that they they put so much physical force behind the blow. Mm-hmm. If it's made of light, it's not that heavy. It shouldn't require that right. much force. Yeah, except the know? props they were so, using were were so, like had weight yeah, on them. So, yeah. but they they have to sell it for drama. Well, to, and to add add drama yeah, that to, too, yeah. to the shot, yeah. and 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 also, much as I do have my issues with the you know Plinkett review Star Wars films or, or the prequels, <laughs> I fucking love they, those. They raise a lot of good points, but at the same time, it's also kind of like, dude, what's wrong on, with like, your face? <laughs> not that they're great, I do love them, but I do have like some criticisms of them. Uh, but one of the good points that they made was that in the original trilogy, the lightsaber fights were more about the externalization of the characters rather than about the cool fight itself. Whereas mm-hmm. once we had, and also, you know, a limitation of the technology, it was obviously more expensive to do the illumination of the lightsabers in like post-production stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, there were like real world limitations, but also, you know, story-driven elements of it. And and uh, it, it's also why you, you see um, with uh, Luke's final fight with uh, Vader on the second Death Star. Mm-hmm. And sorry, spoilers for anyone who still hasn't seen this. Um, you know, and at one point when he's actually mad, when Vader threatens to, you know, convert Leia to the dark side, Luke is just like, you know, in pure emotion, just swinging around, hitting and just like wailing on Vader in like anger and frustration and fear. Yes, yeah, like what Andrew's yeah. doing. Um, and and so, you know, that's that's kind of how, you know, that that was, again, like for the drama and for what the characters were doing at that time. Whereas obviously, if we try and think of, you know, how how physically this would happen, there would be no need for that. They'd kind of probably just, you know, bounce off each other kind of awkwardly yeah. and like mm-hmm. slice through stuff. But it's it's about showing, you know, Luke losing control and Vader having to backpedal, which we're not used to seeing. We're used to seeing this dude in control, right? Like, mm-hmm. like he walks on to see him. He's like, huh, some dead bodies. That's unfortunate. Whatevs. Time for me to force chokes some intel. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Come on, find it. I'm a bad dude. And now here he is like, oh shit. Oh fuck. What? Ah. So like, it's, it's part of the storytelling rather than, you know, oh, well, if we're actually thinking, you know, super nerdily about this, how does a lightsaber work? That would also be very different, mm-hmm. but it's about the stories and the characters. Yeah, sure it is. My, 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 my <laughs> buddy, I play D&D with he he got this uh replica it's a custom made lightsaber from Disney World mm-hmm. from, the, from the uh um I guess this is like a $300 lightsaber like this part the yeah. blade I guess is is pretty cheap to replace in case it breaks but it is rated for dueling but they're like 30 bucks for mm. one of these in case in case you break it um and that's yeah, it makes makes noise, and then uh, if you take it apart, there's a kyber crystal inside too. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you can go and do this workshop and build your own lightsaber. And uh, well, you can't anymore. They, oh no, uh, no, that they're letting you do that. No, they 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 did some. Uh, they had some a problem with people stealing stuff. So now you have to request things, and then a Disney employee goes over and builds it for you. Ah. Uh, yeah, which is very hands off and not great. 
Yeah, yeah. must have must have been steel and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, he. I mean, he like, works. does Disney is Disney really going to miss that money? Let's be real here. Yeah, it's um, not. It's not about whether they're making missing the money. It's about the fact that it was a fun thing that fans used to get to do that they can't do anymore. That's the tragedy of it. It's, you know. Yeah, the tragedy right, my, of the house. My, my buddy works at, at what's effectively an orphanage. It's not really an orphanage. It's a little more complicated than that. But uh, they they went to Disney World, and he had to stay behind to, to be on the property. Um, and they were like, oh, we got to bring him back something. So they they brought him back, this lightsaber. And then he brought it over for D&D because he wanted to show it off. And then he was like, can I store this here? I don't trust the kids did not. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's I feel I feel that so hard. Yeah. yeah so so this, this is not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of cool to take yeah. out, turn off all the lights and, you know, wave it around a little bit, but. Oh yeah. You got to do the star Wars nerd thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. escapism. It's fantasy. It's fun. It's a part of human history. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, my wife and I were talking about growing up with properties. Like I'm going to stop the cast here. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop recording. So, um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, we have gotten some emails about, uh, Ooh. suggested topics that we are definitely going to oh, do. Yeah. Um, yes, some yes. stuff about the skull, which I think is a really good subject to yes. talk about. Uh, might be lucky enough to have a guest on for that. If Sothis can get yeah. things together. Um, and, uh, uh, that, that will hopefully be the next cast. Uh, I want to thank everybody for hanging around. I'm going to stop the recording here, but we're going to keep talking about stuff because this is fun. So, okay. Tune in on Patreon. Bye. Yes, bye.